Welcome to Kinship. We're church sisters who share our discussions so that you're encouraged to deepen relationships in your local church. Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'm here with Francis and Alyssa. And today we're going to talk about engagement. Um, so I thought to get started, we could each share. You don't have to share your entire engagement story because that could take a long time. But maybe a little bit. Oh, before we continue, just so you know, we're doing this on Zoom. This is our first time. So if it sounds a little wonky, be gracious. Have, yeah, have grace. Okay, who wants to go first? Francis, you go. Okay. Um, our engagement story was pretty cool just because it was done in front of the whole church, our church family. So PJ surprised me. I assumed I would know when he was going to propose because I thought he was terrible at keeping secrets. And so I told him from the very beginning, like, I'll know when you're going to propose. And that was completely false. I did not know. He went up. It was a Sunday uh, morning and he went up and was introducing the new youth leaders that were helping him because at the time he was a youth pastor. And so he was uh, introducing the youth leaders it was like me and four, three, four other people. And every time one came up, he would say basically just some words of encouragement to them and sort of saying like church family, these are our leaders. And so the last one was me. So I went up and he's sharing with the church family of why he thinks I'm a good youth leader. And he just starts going on and on. And then at some point it starts getting a little bit too personal <laughs> and I start feeling really uncomfortable because I'm up there. And Do you I'm remember like, any of the personal comments? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's just going off on, like, encouraging things, and then all of a sudden it gets personal, and then I start feeling my body get really, really hot. <laughs> my face gets really, really red. And then I start noticing, like, people start backing up, and then pulpits start moving out of the way. And at this point, I'm, like, completely, like, frazzled. Did you know what was happening at that point or no? Um, there, I think once the pulpit started moving and then Ben Bratcher comes down the aisle with the camera, then I knew. And I was so shocked that he was doing it this way because I did not at all imagine it was going to be in front of, like, the whole church family. <laughs> so I'm basically there, um, scared, like a little kitten, um, and then he says all kinds of stuff, and then basically he gets on one knee, and then he, oh, he he's, there's a poem. And at the end of the poem, basically he's saying, like, will you be my wife? And gets on the knee, gets on his knee, and of course I'm just like, yes, I'm crying. Yeah, I look super terrible. <laughs> I was hot and crying, and yeah, it was great. It was really, really beautiful. We have it on, on film, <laughs> but it was really sweet. I'll go next. I was babysitting um, one of our church members' kids, Ruby and Ben. Um, but meanwhile, Ruby was helping um, Jose and another and a few other sisters set up the engagement setting. And then Ben, her husband, drove me. He was going to drop me off back at home, but then he took a detour and went to this park where he had asked me to be his girlfriend. And it was set up. There were, like, 
pictures on um, like strings and um, in the middle was the ring and that's how he pr- proposed. Oh, he also recreated our first date from Baskin Robbins. So we ate uh, melted ice cream because it was already sitting out. <laughs> he tried and uh, it was nice just kind of looking at all of our pictures and then he said nice things and proposed. But it was also funny because Ben was supposed to, which ca- who captured your engagement, Francis, he forgot to press record on my engagement. So he missed my like reaction to like what was happening. And so he didn't realize it till afterwards, but it was, it was pretty funny that you no. brought that up. Well, Ben was not involved in my engagement yeah. at all. <laughs> I didn't even know Ben. <laughs> but Ruby got some nice pictures. So, so that was, that was nice. We got engaged um, in Santa Barbara in a garden because I love gardens. Aww. Um, I was just going to share the embarrassing part from that day. (laughs) It's that, well, embarrassing for Chris. (laughs) Um, He kept on, like, stepping out to, like, call people to make sure that everything was going according to plan. But he said he was going to the bathroom, like, so many times (laughs) and was in there for such a long time. So I started to get worried. (laughs) And so he had to come up with an excuse, which was that, the food he ate the day before didn't sit well with him, so he had diarrhea. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this whole day, I think he's, like, sick to his stomach with diarrhea. And I'm like, we can go home. Like, you don't we don't have to be out. And then afterwards, like, obviously it clicks. Like, he was not in the bathroom with diarrhea. He was just making phone calls. But it kind of, like, was this interesting, like, background that was going on the whole day of me thinking he was in the bathroom with diarrhea. <laughs> Anyways, that's super romantic. Yeah, super romantic. (laughs) But he did. He painted a huge painting because he's an artist. And so it's still in my parents' house. Wait, is it? It was up in my parents' house for a long time. It's like six feet tall. It was like huge. (laughs) But I think we rolled it up and I don't think it's there anymore. But anyways. All right. So today we're going to be talking about engagement, which is kind of an interesting season. Um, It's not quite dating but it's definitely not marriage yet so I guess how would you differentiate between dating and engagement should you see your fiance in a different light now that you're engaged or what does that look like I think with dating I mean you're trying to figure out if you want to marry this person and then once engagement happens you've already sort of decided, okay, I want to continue in this process and marry this person. Um, at the same time, I think dating and engagement, you you should, we should have, or you should have an open hand of Lord, whatever your will is. So even in the engagement process, still understanding that this might not happen, like this might not, this wedding might not come to fruition. So still having an open hand with engagement, um, but I feel I would perceive that engagement is just much more um, closer, right, to marriage. Mine is just dating is for clarity, and then I think engagement is just that extra kick of clarity um, with a little bit more uh, details that you can use to finalize your decision for marriage. How should you see your fiancé in that time? Because he or she is not your husband or wife yet. But at the same time, you're moving towards that. So do you have 
in a sense, ownership of that person yet at all? Or is that just reserved for marriage? I still think it's reserved for marriage. Yeah, definitely reserved for marriage. Still having the open hand uh, mindset. I mean, at the same time, just knowing that, like what uh, Alyssa was talking about, like clarity, and now that it's pretty clear that you should move in the direction of marriage, knowing that it's it's more intentional. So while you're dating, you're sort of looking at your the person you're courting, um, trying to figure out, like, what's their character? What do they like it through trials? What is it like, to, you know, they're in their family? How are, how are their in, um, relationships in their family, in their church family? So all these different questions you have that should be revealed or you should be searching for in the dating process. Whereas once you're engaged, at least it should be clear to you what some of those uh, relationships look like and if you want to continue in that relationship with the person. So, yeah, I mean, it's still open hand, but definitely, I I mean, I, I don't know about you ladies, but I knew once PJ and I were engaged, there was a freedom to to know that, okay, he loves me and I love him. Whereas with dating, it was unclear. There was more, um, yeah, it was just unclear in the dating process of my love for him and his love for me and whether we should say it or not. Whereas once we were engaged, I was more confident that he loved me. And not necessarily, he wasn't necessarily saying it all the time or anything like that. There was just a confidence that I knew, okay, this man is... um, is taking the initiative to say that I want to pursue this woman in marriage. Whereas with dating, he didn't have to do that. He could have, you know, next day been like, okay, we're not working out. Or I could have said that, you know, we're not working out. But um, with with engagement, there was a sense of like, okay, we are more clear of what is happening here. I like the word that you used intentionality. Like you're just increasing in that. And then also, like, your expectations are changing because now this person has asked you a question or you've asked a question to marry the person. So I don't think it's wrong to have that expectation that that's going to happen, although it might not. But, like, your expectation of it happening increases, too, in that season. And that's not Mm -hmm. wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Even though you don't own the person. Right. Right. So I guess... Going off of that, like, how do you love your fiancé well in that season? Because it's just such a hard season. Like, um, someone, I was talking to someone from our church today, and they brought up that phrase, already, not yet, which I know is biblical in terms of God has come and is going to come. But also, it's kind of like that season of engagement. Like, you're moving towards marriage, but you're not married yet. It's just kind of awkward. And then I think of, like, in Song of Solomon, where it's like, don't awaken love until it's time. So you're trying not to do that. But also, like, Francis, you were saying, like, you became more sure of PJ's love. So how how do you love them well without awakening love too early? I think a way you could love your fiancé well is, is simply still encouraging them as a sister in Christ to be a godly man, to be a man of integrity, to encourage godly leadership, and to love the church. I still think if he, if you're encouraging them to love God and love others, you're doing 
um, your job and loving your fiance and um, still doing try to do your best and guarding both of your hearts as best as possible as well. I would say be a good friend. Um, that's really what marriage is. It's a, a really concentrated, special friendship that you only have here on earth with one person. So because you're not sure if you're going to marry this person, the best thing you could do is just to grow in your friendship and at the same time knowing that you could be just prepping each other for someone else. So knowing that, hey, I want to show this person how to grow in their relationship towards the opposite sex and still guard each other's heart, like Alyssa was saying, and you know, hopefully this will turn into marriage where a deep, deep friendship will form. But in the meantime, I'm just going to continue to be a godly friend to this brother and knowing that, hey, if I prep you for another sister in the Lord, then I want to do my due diligence in being a godly sister to you. So friendship is just key. And I think that's how you love the other person well is just being a good friend to them. Just call him your buddy. Hey, buddy. Just Did someone be a good buddy? <laughs> I feel like you called Chris that. Did you call Chris buddy? Oh, no. Wait, what did I do? I feel like I just called him my friend when we were dating because I was nervous to say boyfriend. And he was, like, confused because he's like, wait, aren't we dating? <laughs> <laughs> You're just I mean, trying to prep. You're just trying to love him well. That's all. I, I was just being so intentional. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> That's just the hard part of like, yes, they're not your husband yet, but they are more than a friend too at the same time, you know, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, but, I mean, sorry, go back. They're more than a friend. Like they're more yeah. than a regular brother, yeah. sister in the Lord. Yeah. So yeah. Just that interesting dynamic. Yeah. What do you think, Bethany? Well, I was just thinking like, I'm so glad I'm not engaged right now. Oh, man, seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've blocked that season of my life out of my mind. I can't even really remember. But it's just such a stressful and awkward season. So to anyone who's listening who's engaged, just hang in there. I mean, it's also exciting, not to make it sound like a bad thing, but it's just awkward. Yeah. It's all bad. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to premarital counseling, which I have... Well, I guess we could share a little bit of what our premarital counseling looked like. And then, Francis, I know you do a lot of premarital counseling, so you could kind of base it off of that, too. But, like, I didn't get a lot of premarital counseling. Like, we did it with, I think, two or three different couples, just one session each. And they went over different things. Like, my parents met with us and did our budget. And then I think we just went with one other couple. And I really don't remember what we talked about. Um, it wasn't very in-depth. There weren't, like, a whole lot of deep questions asked. So I feel like this would be helpful for me just to hear, like, what your guys' experiences were. And then we could talk about, like, what you guys think should be addressed in counseling. So, Alyssa, what did it look like for you? Um, for Jose and I, uh, we did it with Francis and PJ. Um, I can't remember the book. I I only know the the, the colorfulness on, on the cover, 
But I, you know what's funny? I remember. <laughs> Wait, that's Sorry, it. That's it. It's just a colorful book. But what I remember most about counseling is literally half of it is like every week we would fight. We'd go to their house. We'd hash out our fight for the first hour. And then we talk about the book for the last hour, which is about like communication, intimacy, communication. Like it, there was just such helpful tools practically because we were already beefing before the counseling even happened. And then, um, and then because it was only intensifying as we were engaged, so we're, as we're getting more clarity and getting to like getting really close, you know, more is coming out and we're just like, yeah, crazy sinful. And so, um, so to be honest, I only remember, I, I remember more about counseling about our arguments versus like the intimacy stuff, but I remember there was like six sessions and stuff like that, but I do remember us, uh, deflating a lot of our fights, but it helped in a big way. And of course, counseling continues into marriage, of course, too. So it was a good precursor. And then it um, it continued afterwards, too, which is sweet. I think it's always sweet. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alyssa's right. It takes maybe like six sessions. It doesn't have to. There's been ones where it's longer because there's things that we need to hash out with a couple. Um, it's I love premarital counseling just because it helps me in my marriage just realizing like oh man I haven't done this or I've been really you know um sketchy on you know this particular issue so it's really helpful um PJ goes through a book it's gospel-centered marriage I think that's the one that Alyssa is referring to yep yeah we really really enjoy that book and it's actually for marriage but we use it for premarital and there's a, a few reasons why. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, we sit down with the couple and we let them know what the schedule will look like and how often, depending on when they're going to get married. And, yeah, we just go through the chapters. Before that, um, we make sure we establish open communication with them, letting them know. Um, well, first, we ask them what's their physical boundaries and what that looks like and basically sharing it with us just so we know. And then after that, we let them know that every week when we meet, that that's actually going to be a question we ask every time we meet, mm. which is how's your physical um, boundaries and did you cross them? And we're pretty specific. Some people might think it's way too intrusive, but um, it's basically like, you know, did you did you touch each other's private parts? Um and did you repent? Did you ask God for forgiveness? Who did you text? Like, just things like that. But, I mean, yeah, when you're asking that question, it gets pretty open fairly quick. So we've never had issues with couples where they say, like, hey, I don't want to answer that question. Or um, all the couples that we've w- that we've counseled have always been open and willing to share. So I've always been thankful for that. Yeah, I mean, in the book, in that book, if you want to look it up, it talks about all the things that... Um, we go through counseling. So communication, um, what's marriage for, um, at the end of the chapter, it's, uh, sex. So there's like a few chapters on sex. Um, one that's not in there that we do is finances, which is what you said, Bethany. So that's probably, so sex and finances are the last ones that we cover. Um, but the reason we really, really like that book is, um, is basically it just talks about how marriage is um, ministry together, like you do ministry together, and and it's not actually necessarily where you're together, but it's actually even supporting each other so that the other 
can go and minister and using your marriage um, in that in that way. So because a lot of marriages can be very introverted and it's all about the marriage, you know, the first the first month, the first year, the first years, you know, so the book does a really, really good job of reminding people um, that marriage is actually it should be. Yes, there is definitely a reason and a and a need for your marriage to be just you and your husband, right? But there's also a very much like do ministry together or help support the other while the other does ministry. So we really like that. And the the chapters about intimacy were really helpful because I never really learned about intimacy in the framework of the gospel or even in view of worshiping the Lord. It's always been such a worldly perspective and like a horizontal um, perspective between me and um, like my future spouse. And so I, I love those chapters because it completely um, relieved me of feeling like it had to be a performance and like there was a pressure on me to be a certain way. So it was helpful with my mindset as I would go into marriage. Based on those different topics that are covered, are there any that um, you should only talk about I'm thinking more sexual things like talk about with a counselor versus on your own are there things that shouldn't be talked about at all until you're married yeah I mean there's things that we let the the couple know like if you're going to talk about struggles um sexual struggles um we'd like to be there um so basically hold off until we meet up so that if there is something that's inappropriate, you know, we can let them know like, oh, you don't need to say that. Or especially if it's a struggle about your, your fiance, you know, like if you're struggling with lust towards your fiance, then, you know, you don't need to say that, um, to the person. I mean, if it's something that you want to like correct them and let them know like, Hey, can you not do this? Because this is really a struggle. Um, we'd still like encourage them to say it in front of us just to have that extra accountability. Um, another thing would be um, sexual past, like details. Like we do encourage de- um, sexual past to be talked about with us, but also not to get into the details of what happened, when it happened, how it happened. So yeah, sexual details or past sexual details, we would say that the other person does not need to know about that. And even in marriage, I would say, like those details um, don't need to be known. It's more If it's more for curiosity's sake, then you should know, like, yeah, you shouldn't be asking or you shouldn't be sharing. That's probably not helpful for the marriage for each other. Are there any just, like, essentials, like you have to talk about this before you get married? I mean, yeah. obvious ones like theology, church budget I think would be really helpful Alyssa theology church budget um like maybe some uh, like sin struggles that like that are heavy or um sins that are like you are a slave to um or addictions John Piper has a huge list of questions that we can link in the show notes of questions to ask before you get married, which I was reading over it. And it seemed really helpful because there were a lot of deep ones, but also just light questions like, what's your view on buying like expensive toys, like snowmobiles was on there, like literally said snowmobile. And like, 
not that you have to ask all those things, but it's just, it would be helpful to know, like, and it had, like, what do you, what's your view on eating out? Like, how often should you eat out? So, I don't know. We can link that because I thought it just had a list of, like, helpful, practical questions to go over. Oh, another, another one I like is, or I like to see is if they go through a trial or if pressure comes, how do they handle that or do they run to God or what are idols that they tend to run to? So you just kind of see a little reflection of their character there. Yeah, you definitely want to be on the observing side, observing each other. Not where you feel like you're walking on eggshells, but you definitely should just uh, be watching how your fiancé handles different situations. So, yeah, definitely agree with Lewis on that. Even, like, the how he how that person was raised in the family um, yeah, that's super would helpful. be helpful. Um, how they love the church. How they disciple other men and women. Okay, moving on to wedding planning. <laughs> that's I feel like takes up a lot of mental and physical energy in this season. But it's such a I mean it's such a special thing, but it's also like um, hard because you have to balance that with actually preparing for marriage. So, do you guys have any advice for how to do that? in that season and how to keep Christ at the center of all of that. Man, wedding planning is so tricky because, I mean, there's a whole market out there and a lot of us, we fall into that of wanting that special day. And I'm not saying like you shouldn't want a special day, but it's easy to get caught up in the, in the fairy tale type mentality. So I would say like, just have the vision of, of what your marriage is supposed to be like what's the purpose of your marriage so if you have that in view constantly then I mean it, it could help center you when you're when you're you're doing um wedding planning um one of the things that PJ and I share and it's for just couples just to think through not necessarily like to imitate us but we had a very very low budget wedding um, less than $10,000. And I know now that's like insane and crazy, but letting them know, like throwing that number out there just so that they know that there's weddings that can be done that are cheap and still, still special. I mean, we, our wedding did not have like the glitz and the glamour of countless weddings that we've been through, um, been to, but I mean, looking back, I, I wouldn't change it at all. So it just saves you a lot of things. And I think going back to what you're saying, Bethany, like marriage planning, like putting the energy and the thought and even the finances into really um, looking towards the marriage and how you could better um, things on the other side versus the, the one day. And I know you ladies can contest to this. I don't remember anything from my wedding. It was such a blur. Um, so it's just like, yeah, you're you're tired, you're exhausted at the end of the day, of, of the night. Um, so there's just a lot of things that you don't really think about until, like, you've been through it, you know? Yep. I don't know. I like thinking of it as we're here to worship God. We want to reflect what this marriage is about to the people coming. And so because I had so many non-Christian guests coming, I just wanted them to hear the gospel like I wanted them to hear about the Jesus that changed my life and so a lot of them would hear the gospel for the first time at my wedding and so I was just like I don't care how long it is let's sing and let's pray and let's him preach and 
Um, they'll just sit through because a lot of people these days like really short ceremonies and then just like run off to the party. So I mean, as long as we keep the Lord central, I think that's key. You can. I mean, if you're blessed to have um, like parents who want to help or um, you want to go out on something like there I don't see there's like sin necessarily but just be mindful if we can um use finances a different way too for other gospel opportunities and other ways to bless other people um but yeah that was kind of the focus on us and then of course PJ when he preached he did not care it was raining all day he just uh he just the ceremony was still an hour long so it was it was great but yeah, I, I would say just try not to have fear of man as you plan um, because you get a lot of opinions from other people. And then also try not to be uh, self-absorbed be, and just feel like it's the day is all about you because the day is actually about um, pre- like representing God and the picture of marriage of Christ and the church. Yeah, how do you balance that, like wanting to bless others but not please everyone because there are so many opinions about marriage and weddings and you want everyone to be happy i mean it's your wedding so do you have any advice for someone who's maybe struggling with a bunch of people giving different opinions and wanting to make everyone happy um for me it's just you try to obey the bible like honor your father and mother when you can and as best as you can to your conscience love others so if there's no sin um, I would say you're good to go. Um, other than that, people are always going to be unhappy with something, in my opinion. So uh, don't just don't let their thoughts overtake your own fear of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely hear them out and then test it with the scriptures and see what wisdom is behind what they're saying. Because I think there's like, there's things that you just don't think about when you're planning a wedding. And if you hear a married couple telling you something, then my ears would per- perk up just because they're married. They're on the other side. So what do you have to say that might influence me in a, in a different way? So, yeah, at the same time, you do want to filter what you're hearing because some of it is just not helpful. And like going back to what Alyssa's saying, it's not sin. So you should have the freedom to to choose and to proceed with what your plans are. But at the same time, if married couples are, are saying this or that, then I would listen. I like that, though, Francis. Um, I think that's another way to love others is by actively listening and showing, okay, you understand what they're saying. Um, you, and you're seeing their point of view. And then just having a good conversation. It just shows you're open to having the conversation. Yeah. That's helpful. What about the church? How can the church be, or should the church be involved during the engagement season? What do you think, Bethany? (laughs) Hey, I'm asking the questions. I don't answer them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's helpful that we had a couple just get engaged and married at our church. So, um, I mean, I was really grateful that they involved the the church a lot. Um, Not every couple does it to the extent that they did and that's okay too I think but um I think I mean it, it was also helpful that both of them were members of our church but I think as much as you could involve the church in keeping you accountable during that season and um 
yeah, using them as accountability, I think is helpful. And then also the counseling and just asking as many questions as you can with different married couples in that season. And I think it also helps just to give you perspective. Like when you're in the middle of it, it seems like such a big thing. And to have to plan this wedding and looking forward to the marriage, but just to talk to all these other couples who've been there, done that, and now it's in the past, just kind of gives you some perspective of like, oh yeah, it's only one day, the wedding itself, you know, and then we're moving on to marriage with all these other issues. So I think that's helpful too. Any other thoughts on church involvement? Yeah, I mean, again, we're, PJ and I are just weird maybe, but I think if church members had a wild idea of my church family has to be invited to my my wedding, if you have that idea and that mindset, then you're going to want to know, like, is having them there worth it? Like, do they even know my fiancé? Um, am I even close to them? Who don't I really know? So I know it's, it's hard to invite a lot of people, um, because of finances, but I guess I would push on the other way and say, why not flex on bringing church family in um, and maybe have less of something that's nice, you know? Again, that's just us. That's just us um, seeing the priority of the whole church family being there. Um, But again, it's not the only way. And a lot of people don't even do it that way, even when we suggest it. It's a little bit harder with a big church, too. Yeah, it is. Um, But there's ways of doing it. I mean, I could go, I don't want to go into details, but there's ways of doing it where you can invite the whole church family. Um, Because remember, you're in covenant with these people. So what better people to have at your wedding um, there to sort of vouch for your integrity and the integrity of your of your spouse and when the, you know, when the preacher says or whoever's officiating the wedding, like, does anyone have anything? Um, what is the, what does he say? I forget. The objection. <laughs> Withhold part? your peace. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What is he, what is it? Or hold your peace. Yeah. But what is the first part? <laughs> I don't uh, know. Hold on. Now it's going to oh, kill if me. Any, if anyone should think, if anyone <laughs> believes that this <laughs> wedding <laughs> that this wedding should not continue i don't know something sounds like very that. poetic <laughs> hold on I, i'm getting it right now all right because we need this mm-hmm. if anyone can show just cause why this couple could not lawfully be joined together in matrimony let them speak now or forever hold their peace oh wow there you go so what better people to have at your wedding who can vouch for you or say, no, this person cannot, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyways, that's just me. Yeah, I guess going off of that, before you get married, just checking in with different people at church, like, do you support this? Like, is this a good idea? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I loved, like, even before premarital counseling, I feel like just being with church family to model what marriage looked like and to give you nuggets even while you're dating or engaged is so helpful agreed um okay i guess second to last question when i was like um 
doing like a tiny bit of research for this, like all the questions for engagement were related to sex, which, um, okay, maybe not all of them, but for the vast majority of them, which I understand why, like that's a sexual purity is an issue during the engagement season. It's not all that the engagement season is, but it's important. So, um, I guess for that aspect, do you have any advice for how to maintain sexual purity or what that even looks like when you're engaged? Because do your boundaries change when you get engaged? Is it okay to push it farther or should it be just trying to withhold as much as possible until you're married? What does that look like? Okay, so I I speak knowing I failed in this, right? So I'm going to say this like looking back. So... In my opinion, physical boundaries should be, like, there should be a lot of physical boundaries, and I don't think they should change when you get engaged, although it's so tempting. I just feel like once you cross the line, you just keep pushing it. Um, So Satan will accuse you and will tempt you in all ways, and so he will dangle intimacy right in front of you all the way through. And so I think because engagement, you're so close to marriage, you'll wanted even more and so I think the best thing is just to put a lot of boundaries up and to not even get close to the line yeah same thing just protect the marriage bed because you again you don't know if you're going to marry this person and you want to be able to look the other person's spouse in the eye if this you know if this wedding doesn't come you know doesn't happen you want to be able to look at their spouse in the eye and say I did what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, and that's that's difficult, just like what Alyssa's saying, because you have, um, it's like trying to stop a moving train. It's like you can't, it's it's just difficult, especially when you're almost there at the, at the wedding day. Um, but still, just knowing that, hey, like till, till we're at the altar and I say I do and she says I do, like this, there's a possibility that she is not mine or he's not mine. So knowing that you're, you want to honor each other in that way. Um, there was another thought. Oh, one of the things that we do in premarital is w- when we ask them for boundaries and we ask them to um, email it to us or text us their boundaries and also um, who their accountability group is just so we know that we're sort of all on the same page. And if you're going to switch up a boundary... Like, for instance, let's just say um, one of the boundaries is you don't want to be at the person's house late at night, you know, so your cutoff is 9 o'clock. Well, there's a night where it's like, oh, man, I really want to hang out with you till 10, so maybe we could push it to 10. What we encourage them is not to not to change that boundary right then and there, but to actually go home, let your accountability people know that, hey, we actually want to change it to 10 o'clock rather than 9 o'clock because it's so easy to just change boundaries right then and there. And that's where you actually can get into trouble because then you start pushing the boundary here and there with no one, with your accountability not really knowing. And so you end up, you know, not all the time, but it could end up into trouble and sinning. So we just say, like, yeah, just give it a night. You know, if you really want to do something, just wait till the next day. Let your accountability know that you're actually going to change the the boundary. Because we don't want to be stuck to these boundaries like 
you know, like, thus says the Lord, I can't be at your house at this time. But you do want to be wise. So part of that wisdom is, you know, waiting and having self-control. Because if so, if a lack of self-control is controlling your boundaries, then that's not helpful at all. Yeah, even going back to the church question, like maybe involving church members in in creating those boundaries, just getting mm-hmm. wisdom from them. Sorry, another follow-up to that, but when you do go too far, what what does that look like? How because we we probably will. <laughs> We're just sinners, so it's probably going to happen. So to anyone who has, um, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say confess quickly to the Lord um, as soon as you recognize or are convicted that it's sin. Um, repent, see your sins before God, and then tell your accountability group and confess them. Let them know you've confessed to the Lord, you're repentant. And just show that initiation um, before, I would say show the initiation before you're getting asked. Um, it just shows that the spirit is working and is and convicts. Yeah, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. So just remembering like God loves you. He's ready to forgive you. Just come to him. We all fall short. So it's not a surprise that you know to the lord when we sin and it shouldn't be a surprise to church family so there should be a freedom to be able and i mean if you don't have that type of church culture i understand but if you do if you have um members in your church where you're able to be open and them not look at you like you know you're a monster um but know that oh man you're a sinner just like i am so you know, let me walk with you, brother. So just knowing that, you know, church family, like people love you. People want to care for you. So find those people. Find the people that care for you. Find the people that love you. Find the people that love God and will put God in the center of your friendship. And those are the people that you want to go to. And God's going to work through that. And just knowing that, you know, that's just a little piece of the Lord is those kind of friendships. And just knowing that, again, the cross Go back to the cross. Preach the cross to yourself. So it's not too late to turn back. We're all sucky people, right? Right. (laughs) Real quick, we've talked a lot about uh, physical boundaries, but what about emotional boundaries? Because we can cross those too. Any quick thoughts on that? What about you, Bethany? I think what you were saying in the beginning, Francis, is super helpful to know that they're not yours. You're not theirs. Just mentally to have that in your mind. Um, it's just helpful for protecting. I think also just setting potentially time limits on how long you talk to the other person, how much time are they taking up in your schedule, are you still hanging out with other people, can help to create that um, emotional boundary too. That's wise. Mm -hmm. I think for emotional boundaries, get wisdom from the church too because the world feeds so much of what your relationship should look like and think you should act like you're married already. Um, but something that was really helpful, I don't know if you remember saying this, but Saint Francis saying that dating is shallow and marriage is deep. I don't remember what it was, but it was the shallow part that made me just um, think through what I really don't know yet. So don't act like you're married when you're when you're just dating. And so just relearn how um, what God is trying to teach you for clarity and um, 
don't and guard your heart. What does it look like for you to give away your heart, and what does it look like to not give away your heart early on, so that you can protect it at all at all costs? And we've talked about this a lot, but you don't want your if ever the Lord has you guys break up, you know, because we often say like you want to either get married as soon as possible or break up as soon as possible. That's just something that we say. Um, But if you do break up, you don't want it to feel like a divorce. You want it to feel like, you know, this is your brother or your sister. And you know what? The Lord just said no. So, yeah, just being under that mentality of you don't want this um, dating relationship, this engagement to feel like a divorce if the Lord says no. Um, However, you know, whether it's church family saying like, no, you really, really shouldn't. Or if it's yourself saying, you know, you're your fiance. So, yeah, just having that in mind. That's good. Any final encouragement um, for brothers or sisters who are listening who are in the season or any helpful resources that you want to share? I could share. um, I could put it on the show notes, but PJ did like a blog post about dating. I think it could just be helpful for those that are dating and looking towards engagement. I just say get married or break up. I'll just yeah. <laughs> Maybe just use this season to as a reminder too of Christ is coming too. So as you anticipate um, the marriage that Lord willing will come for you, also look forward to the celebration of when Christ will come and the bride being united with him because that's what it's pointing to. That's what marriage is all about. All right. Thank you, ladies, for sharing. Thank you to our BBC family. Thank you to our husbands for letting us record. Letting us. They have us in chains, guys. They have us in chains. (laughs) Did I say letting us? (laughs) Yeah, but I think I say that, too. Okay. It just sounds funny now. (laughs) Thanks for letting us out of our dungeons to talk to each other. Um, Thank you to our listeners um, for bearing with us even through the Zoom recording. I'm sure it's not as high quality, but thank you for sticking with us. And if you would like to, please um, email us with your questions. We would love to get questions or um, leave a review on Apple or wherever our podcast is. Um, Oh, like us on Instagram, follow us, buy a sticker if you want to. Yeah, that's it. We'll see you again later. Bye. Bye.